All right, thank you so much for being here tonight. Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Colossians, chapter number 2. Colossians, chapter number 2. Look around you, please, if you have a neighbor beside you who does not have a Bible, if you could share your Bible with them. We'll be reading Luke, or sorry, Colossians, chapter number 2, verses 1 to 9. Now, I wasn't scheduled to originally preach for tonight. Pastor AJ was, but he's sick. So you pray for him that he'll recover. He uh, he told me that he really wants to preach. And I understand that feeling of wanting to preach and uh, being scheduled to preach but not being able to. And, and so you please keep him in prayer before the Lord. And if you just got here and you haven't heard the news yet, Pastor is preaching for a revival meeting uh, for one of his good friends, Pastor Gibson. And we just ask that you continue to keep Pastor for uh, in your prayers for safety and also for power as he preaches. Colossians chapter number 2. If you're there, say amen. amen. Oh, come on. Let's do that a little bit better, all right? If you're there, say amen. amen. All right. Now act like you want to be in church tonight, okay? <laughs> you got to help me out here. I'm nervous, uh, but as well, excited to preach what God's laid upon my heart tonight. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the fullness of the full assurance of the understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through the philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. There's a lot of things we could dissect and read through that passage that we just have read. But tonight I want to focus on verse number 3 and on a thought that I've been uh, uh, that, I, 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 that I've been going through with our college ministry on Friday nights. We'd read verse number 3 out loud with me, and then we'll have a word of prayer, let you guys be seated, and we'll dive into our message tonight. Verse number 3, all together, read it with me. Ready, begin. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's referring to Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us that Jesus... In him is hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Tonight we're going to look at that subject, Christ, the treasure of wisdom. And I hope that it will be a blessing and a challenge to all of us tonight as we go through this message. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to preach. We pray that you be with Pastor AJ as he recovers from his sickness. Please help him to get some good rest tonight, that he'd be able to get back to work serving you here. Uh, Even before Friday, Lord, we pray that you'd help him to have enough strength and to recover enough with good health. And we pray that you'd be with our pastor who's away. Please help him as he prepares the messages to preach for that church. We pray that you'd 
use him. And Lord, we pray for a true uh, a sense of reviving uh, upon that place. We pray for that church to uh, experience your presence and your power as they study your word and as they prioritize you uh, in that meeting. Here tonight, Lord, we pray that you give us clarity of thought and mind. We pray that you give us understanding of your word. We pray that you take away any distraction that could uh, uh, that could cause us to miss the, the, the rich teachings of your word tonight. We pray that you would help all of us to be filled with the Spirit. Help me, Lord, to be filled with the Spirit. Help me, Lord, to teach and preach your word according as you would have me to. Help me to uh, surrender every everything that I'll say to you. And I pray, Father, that you would guide me, that you'd use me. I pray for your anointing, that I'd preach not only, Lord, with clarity, but with conviction and power uh, through the power of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, tonight we just pray that Jesus Christ would be elevated, that Jesus Christ would be magnified, that all of us would have a sense of drawing closer to you. And we'll thank you for how you use it. For us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. The city of Colossae is located in the region of Phrygia. It was a city located in a valley very close to a river. Its neighboring cities were Laodicea and Hierapolis. It was a smaller market town that included the main road from Ephesus to Euphrates. Now, if you study the book of Colossians, it's known as a prison epistle because Paul wrote this letter to the church from Rome while being in house arrest. We see in Colossians chapter number 4, verse 18, that Paul said, The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bond. And so this epistle, this letter to the saints at Colossae, this book entitled the uh, the book of Colossians, was a a letter that Paul had given uh, specifically for the saints at Colossae, but also those at Hierapolis and Laodicea. And, And Paul... Paul was writing to this church, though he's never met them before. He was at prison and he heard about this church. He heard about the members. He heard about their faith and the fruitfulness that God had blessed them with. And God was, or Paul was excited about what God was doing here at the church of Colossae. And by the way, it's exciting to see a church that's alive, amen. It's exciting to see a church that's filled with people. It's exciting to see when people are getting saved and where the gospel is being preached and uh, uh, members of that church are knocking doors and seeing people come to church. And I can't wait for our friend day. I can't wait to see what God's going to do through our church members. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in YF and AFC and our Spanish-speaking ministry. I can't wait to see how God's going to show up uh, on our friend day. And we're excited and praying that God will do something we've never seen before. But I'm thankful that our church is an exciting place. By the way, if you're not excited about church, the problem is not with the church. If you're not happy to be here, if you're not happy to uh, come here and, and fellowship with the believers and get fed with the Word of God, the problem's not with the church. Colossae was an exciting place. People were getting saved. You could even assume that missionaries were being sent out because the Bible says that their faith in chapter number 1 was being heard from abroad. And so we're excited to see from Colossians how Paul, uh, who was not the planter of this church, who was not the pastor of this church, was referring to what God is doing here in Colossae. Now again, if you study Colossians, you'll find that there's a common theme from chapters 1 to 4. In all of Paul's writing to the church, And the believers there in Colossae, the theme that Paul wrote about is the person of Jesus Christ. Man, what a theme. Who else would you talk about? What else would you emphasize? 
Paul was telling the church of Colossae that their focus and their need and their sufficiency was all to be found and rested upon the person of Jesus Christ. He talks about the person of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the position of Jesus, the pardon of Jesus, and the plan of Jesus for each believer. He talks about how Jesus is to be preeminent, how Jesus is sovereign, how Jesus is supreme, and how Jesus is sufficient. Colossians is an exciting book. And tonight as we study chapter number 2 and refer to verse number 3, we're going to study this emphasis that Paul wrote about how Jesus is the source and is the sufficiency for all wisdom and understanding. Have you ever gone through life asking questions? You ever asked a question that you just couldn't find an answer for? In life, we look for answers, solutions, and explanations. Could you imagine being lost without Christ and asking those questions? Could you imagine where people would go just to find an answer? Tonight, we're going to look at how Jesus is the answer for all of life's questions. Do you believe that tonight? Do you truly believe that if you have a question, a deep, sincere question, a heart-searching, heart-wrenching question, that Jesus is the answer? Tonight, we're going to study three lessons on how Jesus is the treasure of wisdom. Number one, if you're taking notes, notice with me the searching wonder. One of the purposes that Paul wrote to the church at Colossae and the neighboring churches such as Laodicea and Hierapolis is the fact that there was a lot of circulating teachings that were contrary to the word of God. There were teachings that referred to Judaism where they would add to the work of, word of God and they would say that you need to continue into the law in order to be saved. They would teach that in order to, uh, to, to be forgiven of your sins and in order to be secured of heaven that not only must you believe in Christ but you must also add on to that good works according to Moses. Now that's blasphemy. You don't need to work for salvation. Jesus Christ did all the work for us. That's called legalism. Legalism is adding works to salvation. And that work salvation teaching was circulating around the city of Colossae and Laodicea and Hierapolis. But there was also the Gnostic teachings. The Gnostic teachings referred to teachings that contradicted and diluted and, and, and literally defiled the deity of Jesus Christ. The Gnostic teachings were teaching the, the believers and the surrounding communities that Jesus wasn't really God. That Jesus could not forgive sins and that Jesus really was not uh, deity in the flesh. And so Paul would defend that as we read in chapter number 1. You see, in all of reality, people are asking questions. And they're searching for an answer. Now, I have a little illustration that I want to use here tonight. A little bit silly, but I hope that you'd bear with me. I want to use this ball as an illustration here. I don't know if you guys live stream can look at this ball and zoom in. Uh, it's a yellow ball over here. Hopefully you guys can see it from where I'm standing or where you're sitting. Let's say that this ball is uh, it's important. Okay. I want us to just think quickly and to just consider what questions we may ask regarding this ball. Okay. I want you to think of questions that you want to know about that ball. 
Now, I know many of you guys are just coming from work and maybe from school, and you're a little bit tired, and just wanted to encourage you to put your thinking caps on for a little bit here. You could take them off after a while, okay? But let's ask some questions about that ball. Anybody got a question? Yes. What makes that ball important? Great question. Anybody else? What is the material composition? In other words, what is it made out of? All right. Brother Justin has his thinking cap on here tonight. All right. Anybody else? Yes. Who? Oh, you're pointing at somebody else. You ever had a classmate that doesn't want to answer, but they'll point to somebody else to answer for you? That's Miss Abby right there. Okay. Brother Williams, did you have a question? How high does it bounce? How did you know it bounces? That's a ball, okay. Ball bounces, assuming that it's a ball that bounces. Yes, Joe. Why is it yellow? Great question. Ben, did you have one? Good. Why is it that ball and not any other ball? Anybody else want to ask a question? Yeah. What brand is it? Ladies want to know what brand it is, right? Why is it yellow? Where was it made? How much does it weigh? Are there other balls like it? What can it do? What is it made for? What's inside? What is it made out of? Does it bounce? What's its value? Why is it here? Who put it there? I think we could go on and on with that question. I want you to imagine that this ball is you. And this ball represents your life in a large room like this. Where do you fit in this world? Who made you? Why are you here? Why here? Why now? Is there any other ball like that? Why is this ball different? Why? Why this? Why that? Why did I lose my job? Why cancer? Why did I have a miscarriage? Why did they die? Where do I live? What school to go to? What job to apply for? Where do I go? Questions. Every single day, questions dominate our minds. I call this the earthly requests. The searching wander starts with an earthly request. Because the world all around us is requesting, searching, yearning for somebody to tell them the truth. And yes, they could ask uh, ask somebody else. And yes, they could go to a person that may have an idea. And yes, they could search the internet or ask somebody who has intellectual credentials. And yes, yes, they could look for it in the TV and the media. And yes, they could find acceptance in social media. But where is the truth? Who knows where can I find the truth? Where do I fit? Requests, questions that are haunting people, causing them to lose sleep, causing them to have uneasiness in their spirits and mind. You got questions tonight? What are you, what are you desperate to find out about your life?
And by the way, not, no more of this nonsense, knucklehead thinking like I'm just going to go with the flow. I'll just nonchalant. Whatever happens, happens. That is a wrong mindset to have. Bible says redeem the time because the days are evil. Paul said that he presses forward. He is with purpose living his life on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis. So none of this nonchalant attitude that's around us everywhere. I hope that you're interested in your life. I hope that you are not willing to let your life go to waste. And the first step in making sure that your life is going to the right direction is to ask the right questions. Earthly requests. Secondly, we find here in the searching wonder and the empty results. Because when you look for answers outside of God, that's exactly what you will find. Emptiness. People try to look for answers in their job, answers in relationships, answers in the media, answers in social social relationships. But it's empty. They can't find answers. And in frustration, they lose hope. You know, this is why teenagers commit suicide. This is why marriages fall apart. Why kids run away from home, why people fall into depressions. It's because they can't find the right answer. They'll find opinions, they'll find advices, they'll find other answers, but they're looking for the truth. America can easily be described as Isaiah 59 verses 8 to 10. Let me read it to you. The way of peace they know not. And there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Therefore is judgment far from us. Neither does justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold, obscurity for brightness. But we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall, uh, for the, uh, for the wall like the blind. We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in night. We are in desolate places as dead men. Isaiah said, their nation, Israel, a nation that represented God's people were in, in a situation where they were like blind men who couldn't see. Desperate, desolate men. Tonight, we have questions. And if we're not careful, we end up finding those quote-unquote answers somewhere else outside of God. And we start believing those answers and we start believing those lies and next thing you know, we become empty. A searching wonder. I want to follow that with the sacred wisdom. Verse number one, the Bible says, For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and as for as for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Let me focus on that phrase, what great conflict I have for you in a minute here. Paul was saying to the believers, though he's never met them, he, there's, a, there's a conflict in his heart that they would know truth. 
There's a conflict in his spirit that they would believe not the Gnostic teachings and not the Judaistic teachings, that they would know the truth. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father by me. Jesus said that he, uh, that, 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 that his disciples should be sanctified with truth. He says, sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the living truth. And Paul had the conflict that these believers would know truth. There was such a battle and a and 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 a and 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 an uh, anguish in the spirit that their faith would not waver. Parents, does that exist? That burden exist in your life for your kids? Husbands, does that burden for your wife to know truth exist in your heart? Our pastor is passionate for this church. What a challenge it is for me to to learn from our pastor to have that burden for our college students and for our career students. Pastor AJ, I know, no doubt, has a passion that the teenagers would walk in truth. And I'm just thankful to know that we have men in this church, leaders and deacons, and we have people uh, that are laymen that have a desire for truth to be known. And Paul was expressing this, that he had a desire for the people at Colossae, the believers, to know the truth of the word of God. And they asked, where Paul? Where can I find the truth? Where can I find wisdom? Wisdom, I define it as spiritual understanding. Wisdom, I like this definition, wisdom is seeing God in every situation and aspect of your life. Do you have wisdom tonight? Do you have the ability and capability to see God in every situation of your life? If you don't, you need wisdom. Everything you do and everything you are is connected to God. There's not a single part of your life that God is not interested about. And sometimes we compartmentalize church into one section of our schedules throughout the week and throughout the day. Maybe we'll think about God uh, for a certain section, but all of the rest of the day or the rest of the week, we forget about Him and we we don't talk to Him. We don't uh, talk about Him and we do the other things and we'll worry about God some other time throughout the week. That's not how God wants to walk with you. That's not how you were created to be. We are to allow God to have control over every area of our life. Every area. The moment you disconnect your life from God is the very moment you become lost. Now, not lost as in losing your salvation. Praise the Lord, we don't lose our salvation. What I mean by loss is that you are without direction. You struggle with worrying and you struggle with anxiety. You have trouble sleeping at night and peace has escaped you and you have no rest in your soul. You have no peace in your spirit and in your mind because you have disconnected your life from God. Jesus is the source of all wisdom. If you fail to understand Jesus, you have failed to understand your life. 
If you want to know how to be a better husband, how to be a better father, if you want to know how to be a better co-worker, a better brother or a sister to your family members, if you want to know where you fit in this world, if you want to know where you fit in this church, if you want to know what to do with your life, start with Jesus. He is the source of wisdom. He is the source of your answers for the questions that haunt you at night. If you want to know what to, uh, how to answer your questions for your life, go to Jesus. C.S. Lewis said this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, referring to the sun, but because by it, I see everything else. And what C.S. Lewis is referring to is Christ through him. Not only can I see clearly through Christ, but that through Christ, I can see everything else. Christ is not just a person that you claim as your savior. Christ is a worldview that you need to structure your life through. You know, if your life is structured with Christ as your worldview, your neighbors would be different. Your time scheduling and your weekly priorities would be different if Christ is the center of your worldview. How you see your trials and how you see your hardships will be different if you are looking first at Christ and not at your problem. My nephew Aiden, cute little booger man, he asked a question and his parents were a little bit, not stumped, but they were just amazed at how kids think so deeply sometimes. You're like, nah, me, man, my kid is not a deep thinker. <laughs> Aiden asked his mom and dad, because he was learning about creation in Sunday school class. By the way, if your children or if your family does not come to Sunday school class, you need to go. You need to go to AJG growth groups. Okay? Lost my thought there for a second. Oh, yeah, yeah, Aiden, Aiden. Aiden asked his mom and dad, Mom? Did God create the world? The answer is? And then as parents, they were like, yes, I taught my kid well, (laughs) right? God created the world. And then he goes with this question. What was God doing before he created the world? Now, how old is he? He's going to be five in October. He said, what was God doing before he created the world? You guys have an answer? (laughs) Oh, man. No deep thinkers here tonight, right? What are they feeding that five-year-old, right? Filipino food, that's what it is. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5 says this. God told Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. You know what God was doing before he created the world, before he created you? He was thinking of you. He knew that at this moment, at this very moment, this very day, this very year, month, this very second, that you would be sitting here in this room. He knows that you would be having the problems that you have. He knows that you'd be married to so-and-so. He knows you. Nobody knows you better than God. 
Nobody cares about you more than God. And if God cares about us, would He not want us to learn how to live? Would He not want us to have wisdom in the decisions that we make? Yeah. That's why He sent Jesus Christ. Through Christ, you find your identity. Through Christ, you find your identity. Now, they say that when you turn 40, that you have identity crisis. Any 40-year-old men here in the room willing to admit that they're 40? Any one past 40, right? Man, somebody came up to me the other day. When was that? A few months back, I think. They said, what high school you go to? I'm like, yes. They'll probably ask me that like five years from now, right? I'm okay with it. Do you know who you are? You know, teenagers, if you are not secured in Christ, your identity will crumble. If you're not fixed in who you are in Christ, not what your teacher tells you who you are, not who your friends think you are, not what anybody else calls you, if you're not fixed in Christ, your life will be miserable. You'll be looking for acceptance anywhere and everywhere. And like the woman in the well, you'll keep drinking from one well, but you'll soon find that that well is empty, so you'll jump to another well. Next thing you know, you'll be drinking from this well, but next thing you know, it's dried up, and then you'll go from this person to that person, that relationship to that relationship, that career to this career, that education to that education, because all of those are empty. And when you think your identity is found in a well from this world, you're miserable. By the way, it's not just teenagers who struggle with that. Adults struggle with that. Preachers struggle with that. If their identity is found in how they preach and their personality at church and how well they're received, if their identity revolves around their ministry, that's sand foundation. But in Christ, you are forgiven. In Christ, you are valuable. In Christ, you have, have been delivered. In Christ, you have, you have purpose and you have calling and you exist for a reason. In Christ, you are much more than who you think you are. In Christ is who we find our identity in. Christ gives us our identity. Christ gives us our purpose. Why still breathe? If there's nothing worth living for. Why why do what you do? Why get up and work X amount of hours, go back home, sleep, do the same thing again, over and over and over again? Our purpose needs to be rooted in Christ rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. 
You have purpose in Christ. And then our destiny is found in Christ. Our future is secured based on our relationship with Jesus. Now, what more do you want? Do you truly believe tonight that you can be fully satisfied with Christ? You know, we go to the mall sometimes and one of the places that we often walk by is um, the little play area where children are in and they're rowdy and then you see parents sitting down and they're like, oh, all right, come on, a couple, you know. And they take, parents take shifts shopping and watching over the kids. Next thing you know, dad falls asleep while watching the kids and they're like, where's your kid? You know, and all that stuff. You ever see a kid that, I don't know, maybe you have, I haven't. I've never seen a kid who's inside that little play area wanting to go out. They're satisfied in that area. You know, Christians need to learn how to be satisfied in the will of God. And the will of God is the person of Jesus Christ. You are where you are so that you would be conformed to Christ's image, which is the will of God. So everything that God allows to enter in your life involves the will of God, which is to be conformed in Christ, into His image. But sometimes we feel like the will, the will of God is restricting I've been here before a dozen times. Need to try something else new. Been doing this over and over again. I'm tired of this. We feel like the will of God is not sufficient. When we are dissatisfied with the will of God, what we are really saying is we're dissatisfied with the person of Jesus Christ. Because we think we've had enough of him. We've learned him enough. We've talked to him enough. We've had enough of him. Are you satisfied with Christ? Or are you searching for another? I'm telling you tonight, Jesus is the source of all wisdom. You'll find your answers through him and in him. You'll find what you're looking for in Christ. He is the source of wisdom. He has the answer for all of life's questions. We see the searching wander. We see, we've seen the sacred wisdom. Let me close it tonight with a strong warning. And you've listened well. I'm going to end it here pretty soon. Paul says in verse number 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We conclude our message with the strong warning that Paul gives to these believers. We find, first of all, a concrete fixation. 
Once you find Christ, stay there. Once you find Christ, stay there. Psalm 57 verse 7 says, My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. 1 Corinthians 15 says, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Tonight I want to encourage you to not just run to Christ, but to walk with Christ. A lot of Christians are just running to Christ and running to Jesus when there's problems in their life and they're running to Him when they have a need and when they have problems and when they have things that they want Him to answer and give and if they have provisions that they're requesting for, they run to Christ. Look, if we would just walk with Christ, we would run to Him less. Paul says to be established and rooted in Christ. Walk in Him. Learn of Him. Know Him in a deep and intimate way to know and understand who He is and what He wants and what He desires for your life. A concrete fixation. Be fixed in the person of Jesus Christ. Settle tonight, today, now that you will not be changing uh, churches, that you'll not be changing Bible ver- uh, versions, that you'll not be changing ministries, and that you'll not be changing uh, uh, families. Be, be established in Christ. Don't look for another Jesus. Be established in Him. A concrete fixation. And then, notice with me, a cautious filtering. He said, to beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Solomon wrote to his son in Proverbs 19.27, he said this, Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. He says, whatever you've been listening to that's causing you to doubt God, whatever you've been listening to, whoever you've been listening to that's causing you to lose faith, stop. Our life needs to be structured in such a way that any influence that comes into our life is filtered through the word of God. We need Christians who know how to discern between good and evil. Tonight, Christians, I want to encourage you to find your answers in Christ. Stop looking for anyone and anything else that's not Jesus. Paul said, Christ is the treasure of wisdom. How well do you know Jesus? How often do you seek Him? Are you satisfied with who He is and what His relationship with you is all about? Let's pray tonight, shall we? Lord, thank You for Your Word and thank You for the challenge that we have read from Colossians in understanding that in Christ, every need can be met. Lord, forgive us when we doubt that. We may not say it outwardly, but in our hearts we subtly doubt you. 
we suddenly believe that you don't care or you don't listen or that you can't provide. We begin to look for answers somewhere else instead of looking to Christ. Forgive us, Lord, when we do that. Forgive me when I do that. Help us to redirect our eyes back to you. To be fixed. That our faith would be fixed and rooted in Christ today. As the piano plays, tonight, let's do business with God. Invite you, everyone, tonight to keep your head bowed and eyes closed. But would you stand as we get ready for our invitation? Would you would you think about Christ tonight? Is Christ a part of your decision making? Is every area of your life connected to him are you answering life's questions with God in the equation if you're not you'll keep searching and you won't be satisfied perhaps tonight your question is if I died today Where would I go? Will I be in heaven? Tonight you're not sure. If you're not a hundred percent certain that heaven is your home when you die and leave this place, you need to get that settled tonight. Christian, Is Christ truly the source of all your wisdom? Is everything in your life filtered in and through Him? Jesus is a treasure and source of wisdom. Lord, thank you for tonight and thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you that He is ever faithful, ever true, ever the same. Thank you that he is sovereign, supreme, and sufficient. Thank you, Jesus, that you are such a loving God. You're such an awesome God. Help us to be satisfied and to be dependent solely upon you. And we'll thank you for how you use your word to challenge our hearts tonight to do exactly just that. This we ask in your name. Amen. All right, thank you for being here tonight. If you came in uh, before the prayer time, Pastor is preaching at a revival conference, so you'd be in prayer for him, that God would use and bless him. And we're thankful how our pastor has a ministry not only here in our church, but even uh, across the nation of America, but even internationally. So let's keep and uplift our our pastor in prayer tonight. Just a few announcements, if you could, please. We have an evangelistic event for our YF this Friday, so we need the chairs to be stacked. They are to be stacked seven high, 
And please use the dollies, or if men, if you're going to lift them up, please make sure that you have another man doing that with you. We'll stack them to the front of the, of, the, of the building. And then also, if you could have the ladies to please put away the envelopes and the faith promise cards and to bring them to the back table. If you could ask the children to please not be around the chairs as they're being moved. We don't want to see any accidents occur tonight. And then joyful ladies, you have a fellowship meeting tomorrow at 10 a.m. Uh, I think that's still in the chapel Correct me if I'm wrong. Chapel? Yes. All right. So please meet there at 10 a.m. And then uh, you ask uh, Mrs. Fong or uh, my wife they have, if you have any questions. Ladies, I want to encourage you, bring a visitor, bring a friend for that if you could. And then we have our 1K challenge. We are asking our church members and praying specifically that 400 of our church members uh, and family members will participate in giving 1000 in the uh, which will go to the reduction of the debt of our Berean Center. And we'll take that offering in the, in the month of January next year, coinciding with our anniversary Sunday. And then please be in our, uh, or please uh, attend next week as Pastor Chapel uh, will be preaching for us uh, October 10th, Wednesday midweek service. Do your part in, in clearing your schedule and being here on time for that. Friend Day flyers are on the back table. Please uh, invite your friends October 28th, Friend Day. We're, ex- we're hoping and praying that we'll see many first-time visitors and salvations on that day. And then following that Sunday night to the 31st of the month, we have our fall revival with Dr. Tom Farrell. So that's pretty exciting as well. If you have any needs, if you have any prayer requests, come see the deacons and staff members. We want to make sure that you're taken care of. Other than that, you've already, we've already prayed. You guys are dismissed. Thank you.